Bum, 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 bum. Are you ready, Evan? Yui, Yui, Yui goes the refrain. A million deaths were not enough for Yui. From the child history of the Wadi, but a princess here. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where, where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Yes, we are. Boom. Here we are. We made it. We finally made it. Sorry, we had a bunch of technical difficulties getting this podcast up and running. We switched... Um, streaming platforms and so i had to reset up the whole thing but we made it yeah well this looks good this looks cool for those of you that are actually watching that looks cool right yeah i think so and if you want to watch live on our youtube channel you can just search reading dune on youtube and uh you can not only listen to us but also watch us cool so did not yes know you're like, wait, we've been live this whole time? I had no idea. Oh, gosh. What do I do? <laughs> okay, so what's, the chapter starts out with this quote, which is um, a child's history of the Muad'Dib. So I only guess this is like a children's book. Right, like a, uh, like a, little, like a, like a little kid Bible, you know? Right, right, full of pictures and like sing songs. Yeah. And I can, this is really morbid song for little kids to sing <laughs> a million deaths were not enough for yui <laughs> and we all fall down right and we're, <laughs> and we're still like for me reading with no context it's still like what is he gonna do you know like a million deaths and like uh, uh, i don't know that's just kind of crazy i'm so wondering what's gonna happen so it's very clear that Yui is obviously a traitor, especially with this quote. Right. Um, so I want... In the future. I wanted to go back and review real fast uh, Piter's plan. Right, right, right. You said it was going to play into everything, so... So, yeah, everything moving forward, we're going to see where it will match up with his plan. All right. All right, so it starts with that the doctor, Dr. Yui, will move against the Atreides, and that Leto should know that Yui is the traitor, but won't be able to do anything. Oh. So at this point, we think, well, they're assuming that he knows already? I I know, I don't think they know there's a traitor yet. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So first, there's going to be several um, diversions in er Arakeen. So the Harkonnens are going to place some bugs around there and they're going to try to like weed them out. Yeah. You know, there will be an attempt on Paul's life, which may or may not succeed. Okay. Um, how it will be convinced there's an agent moving against them. Like the traitor, the trade that a traitor is among them. They, they will, they'll narrow down. There is a traitor. Gotcha. Um, how it will have a suspicion that it's Lady Jessica, and because he will be focused on that, it will impair the rest of his functions as a mentat, so he won't be able to see this coming. How it may or may not try to kill Jessica, 
There will be uprisings in garrison towns that the Atreides will put down. Right. So they can think they're winning, so they can feel like, hey, we're doing okay. And when the moment is right, they will signal Yui and send in the Harkonnens and the Sardaukar. Wait, okay, so there's both. There's the Harkonnen and the Sardaukar? Because I, I thought it was ju- just the Sardaukar dressed in Harkonnen livery. I think they're going to send both. They're going to send both armies to make sure that the Atreides is done for. And then last but not least, the Duke may flee and send his family with the Fremen, but their path will be blocked by the planetary ecologist kinds. So there's a contingency plan. If they don't kill him, if they go to the desert, the people in the desert should kill him. Right. All right. So that's our plan. Yui's our traitor. Yui knows he's the traitor. Right. So let's uh, let's see what's going on here. Um. So Yui is kind of on pins and needles as they're going to Arrakis. Right. He knows his time has come. He's now just waiting for the signal. Yeah. So it's got to make anybody nervous. And the only person that could really sniff him out would be Jessica. Right. She's the B'nai Gesserit. So this is going to be a big test. Can he get past her? So we just left Jessica and the shout out Mapes and she's going to go see Paul. So she finds Paul's room and he, she goes in the room and Dr. Yui has his back to her. His attention is outside the window. He's kind of looking out the window. Right. Uh, the quote is, he looked from behind like a fleshless stick figure in overlarge black clothing, a caricature poised for stringy movement at the direction of a puppet master. Oh, my gosh. It's so, like... They're not kind to, to Yui in any way. <laughs> not, no, no, no. There is, no, a million deaths are not enough. For you, so she Jessica enters the room, and she says, "Good afternoon, Doctor Yui." She wants to know where Paul is. Um, he nodded as though something was outside the window, and spoke in an absent manner without turning. Your son grew tired, Jessica. I sent him into the next room to rest. Abruptly, he stiffened, twirled his mustache, right, which was flopping over his purple lips. I just, I love the the descriptors here. Right. Science fiction, they got purple lips. <laughs> Forgive me, my lady, I, my thoughts were far away. I, I did not mean to be familiar. All right, so this is his first kind of plan. Let's play dumb or... Well, it felt kind of like he just, like, forgot his place for a second and he was like Paul's chilling Jessica like he was tired oh shoot I'm not supposed to talk to you that way that's like the vibe that I got Yui doesn't really have it all together so that's what I was feeling but maybe I'm wrong well okay that's a good point so um, when we look back in our last chapter about Yui there were we were trying to discern was Yui just mad? Like, had he, was he in a dementia type state where he lost his ability and was just kind of just drifting into madness? Was he just weak willed? Is that why he 
gave in or was he driven by his love for his wana or and the atreides and didn't and needed to know uh which was which so let's see if we can try to from this chapter what is his motives okay um jessica says we've known each other for over six years it's been a long time past formalities you know that should they that should have been dropped between us and then Yui, his, we, we get his thoughts. He goes, I believed it worked. Now she'll think anything unusual in my manner is due to embarrassment, and she'll not look for deeper reason when she believes she already knows the answer. Gotcha. Like, like this is, he's playing her. He's, he's attempting to. Right. That's, uh, that's maybe what I missed. It was like, oh, it worked. You know? Right. It's the, oh, no. Okay, I got it. She, she won't catch on to me. Um, they do some chit-chatting about the people of Arrakis and how, like, they're just so different. They look weaker, and they and they don't like them right away, which is understandable. They've lived under the oppressive Harkonnens for quite some time, and they make a remark, um, kind of about the palm trees. Because they're looking out the window. There's a line of 20 palm trees that grew there. And um, let's see. Oh, yeah, there's a shield in between just in case anything happens. Mm -hmm. But uh, she said there's a pattern emerging. She put a hand to her cheek. The way the people looked at the palm trees, she saw envy, some hate, even a sense of hope. Each person raked those trees with a fixity of expression. Do you know what they're thinking? Yui asked. And so um, Yui says, "Those uh, they look at those trees and think, there are 100 of us. That's what they think. And Jessica goes, wait, what do you mean? And he goes, well, those are date palms, and one date requires 40 liters of water a day, and a man only requires eight. So therefore, if there's 20 palms, that's 100 extra men. And so she's like doing the calculations. And evidently there had been like, um, well, she says that some of the people look at the trees, hopefully, like they're like, well, maybe they look at them and say, this could be our planet one day. We're not forced to have these harsh conditions. Right. Under the right leadership, maybe it won't just be at this palace. Maybe it'll be everywhere and water won't be as scarce. Right, I think that's what she's trying to say that the Atreides will do because they are good rulers, right? They want the best for their people and steward their planet well. Um, and so she was like, we kind of like look at this a little too critically. Like they're, because they're in this situation, they kind of have to have their eyes peeled. They're always looking for danger, not the hope in the situation. And so she was like, you know, the spice could make us, make us rich. With a fat treasury, we could make this world into anything we wish. Like, if we use the resources available, we could do this. But then she was like, well, who am I trying to convince? Like, you, we have all this money, but we still can't buy security. Like, we're still not safe. Right. What can we really do? Yeah. But that's, like, from the outside. You know, they can't buy security from the Harkonnens and from the Imperium. Like they, they, she, she does have this hope that they could change the planet 
to be a better place, a more like, uh, like a little bit more like Caladan. So then the people would love them. And that's kind of security, but still, you know, schemes. Of There's kind of no way around all of that. corruption. Yeah. You have to get to that point of trust with the Fremen and that, that would, that could take some building. But I think there's definitely that that in her mind, she's like, okay, this is where we are now. This is where we could be. And that, like, I think that that idea is going to carry through that Arrakis doesn't have to be this way. Right. Um, Yui turned away to hide his face from her. If only it were possible to hate these people instead of love them. Like, he's kind of regretting his decision, but no, he can't. He has to go forward with it. Right. You know, he kind of... He kind of compares and contrasts Jessica to Juana in that. And he's trying thinking about her. Right. Yeah. yeah, they're both Bene Gesserit. He said Juana might be dead, but he had to be certain that she was. Hmm. There's that driven by that, that what if she's alive? Right. And and the rumor is that they he had actually seen her, but didn't know if it was her. Like, is that enough to turn on that switch again? Say, ah, and then, so then he reveals his plan. And then, so Jessica says, don't, don't you worry for us, Wellington. The problem's ours, not yours. We're, the, we're kind of the heads. Like, you do you, we'll try to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And he said, he thinks, she thinks I worry for her. He blinked back tears. And I do, of course, but I must stand before that black baron with his debt, with his with his deed accomplished and take my one chance to strike him where his, where his weakness is in his gloating moment. Wait, so he has like another plan. That's, that was a question that I have while reading. He's like hoping to, you know, get Wana back or find out if she's actually alive or dead or whatever. And then he's going to go after Baron Harkonnen. Yeah. I think he wants to kill the Baron. I think that is his, like, underneath everything, he wants to kill the Baron for taking his love from him. And because and, and, later on in the chapter, he, they talk about, he thinks, like, why, why doesn't Wana ever have kids with me? Like, why why not? Like, and he thinks, like, well, maybe that wasn't her purpose as a Bene Gesserit, because all the Bene Gesserit have strict purposes. Right. And Jessica, as a, as a concubine, hers was to have children, um. So, until so he's he's he thinking about it because Wana, when the Bene Gesserit called, she answered, and they said, "We need you to go spy on Giddy Prime and the on the Harkonnens." And she said, "Okay," like picked up everything and left. And so I think he's still kind of bitter about that. And so he was like, "Well, if I can just kill the Baron, I'll get my revenge." Yeah. Well, that's yeah. We'll see how his plan works. Right. <laughs> Which it would make a big old mess of the whole system if he's successful. Right. Like if he's successful in his plan, it's gonna throw a monkey wrench in everyone else's plan. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Giant houses and so much okay. That's that's it's just chaos, yeah. yeah. So then she was like, Okay, can I see Paul now? And um what can will I disturb him? And she's like he's like, No, I gave him a sedative. Um a sedative? Sedative. Sorry, there we go. You're, I'm glad you're reading along with me. If you're reading along with us, it, 
reading Dune, I'm going to apologize for all the words I'm messing up. That was that was like a common English word, though. You know, you're a common English word. <laughs> I'm going to keep calling you out, Caleb. Yeah, no, please do. Someone's got to around here. Uh, she asked if he's taking the change well. And, and you know, Yui was like, except for being a bit overtired, he's excited, but what 15-year-old wouldn't be under the circumstances? Um, so as of now, we are still like one day into being on Arrakis. Right. So let's just keep that in our head and who's slept and who hasn't, because I think that will play a factor moving forward. So when we know we know is Paul is sleeping, at least he's drug induced. Um, she then kind of looks at Paul and kind of sees the different features that are hers, different features that are the Duke's. Um, she was kind of caught by the idea of genetic traces in her son's features. Mm-hmm. Did, did she get to, did she like choose those things? Cause I know we were talking about B'nai Jezreel, like have this control over like enough control to change the gender of a child Can she change, you know, like I want him to have his, you know, Baron's hair, my facial features like that kind of thing i don't know if exactly that because she has i mean okay the the my knowledge of biology here is limited but i think the Bene Gesserit would be able to like reject the sperm that are male and only take the sperm that are female i think like there so because in her next thought it's like she thought of the boy's feature as an exquisite distillation out of the random patterns, endless cues of happenstance meetings at this nexus. Hmm. I mean, she's probably thinking over the last like thousand years as they've been doing this breeding plan, how much of all of those features and those different things have met in this now single person that is Paul. And if we all think back about our own, like, grandparents and great-grandparents and their wives and all the meetings and rap- random happenstances we are to get to this point. It is a miracle we're all alive. Right. But in, in, in Paul's case, there's even more to it because there's planning and, like, generations of, you know, training specific people to operate a specific way and do specific things, you know? Um so that's even that's even crazier. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like, well, we're gonna, you know, we want these genetic traits, and so we're gonna like breed for them to get them, and then we'll cross merge them, and all to get this crazy stuff. Um. The thought of it made her want to just kneel at the bed, and that's where Yui has the thought that we talked about earlier. Like, why did Wana never give me children? You know, was there some Bene Gesserit reason? She loved me, certainly, so that wasn't it. Right. Um, for the first time, he was caught up in the thought that he might be part of a pattern. A pattern more in involuntated? What's that word? Involuted? What's that mean, Evan? You want to hit me with that? What's that word? I don't, <clears throat> I don't know that I can like spout the dictionary. Because I, I read it and I was like, convoluted? Involuted, didn't know involuted was a thing. I got my uh, my my flashbacks to ESL class when 
we moved to the states. Like, I did not know. I did not learn this word. That's this is why I love reading because it usually, especially books that are deep and stuff. Because I don't know all the words. Right. You can um, up and get smarter. <laughs> involuted, complicated, or ab- abstruse. Wait, you can't use a word I don't know to define a word I don't know. That doesn't work. Abstruse. Difficult to understand, obscure. Well, that just makes sense, doesn't it? Okay. All right. So it's part of a plan that's, oh, and complica- more complicated than his mind could grasp. I could have just kept reading. Well, okay. Context clues, Caleb. Context clues. We're all learning here. I feel like my, like, my, like, freshman English teacher is just, like, waving her finger at me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of funny that he got caught in this thought because we're going to kind of – extrapolate on that as we continue that he is now part of a plan like he's been tied into this and he almost has no control right which is another weird factor of how much control do we have in situations even if you're the traitor oh golly mate um and they're looking at paul and it's just like there's an innocence there and he's saying, you know, there's maybe so much has changed in Paul, even as they're traveling mm-hmm. from one place to another. Um, and this is just so very different from the life they had once planned for him. Like the plan was, of course, you you would want him to be the Duke on Caladan and, you know, have that kind of life. But this is something probably nobody saw coming. Yeah. <laughs> And then we look out the window. She glanced out the right at the slope, humped on the wind-troubled gray-green of the bushes, dusty leaves and dry claw branches. The too dark sky hung over the slope like a blot, and the milky light of the arakeen sun gave the scene of a silver cast, light like the crisp knife concealed in her bodice. The sky is so dark, she said. It's partly the lack of moisture, he said. So I'm imagining that because they're near the poles already. Right. So they would also have the sun would just like kind of tip over the top. You know what I mean? And then so they're already in like a lower atmosphere state. So it's probably just like it looks like a thin layer of atmosphere and then it's just space. Right. And... Apparently, because of the lack of moisture, light gets refracted differently. So you don't get like a nice blue sky. Right. Yeah. And she gets pissed here. She's water. Everywhere you turn, there's water or the lack of it. Right. And she's about to go off about water for. Like she's day one and she just goes off. And like, and she's got a point here. Like, why is there so little of it? There's volcanic rock. There's a dozen power sources. There's polar ice. You say you just can't drill in the desert. There's storms and sand tides destroy your equipment faster than than you can install it if the worms don't get to it. They've never found water traces there anyway. But the mystery, Wellington, the real mystery is that wells have been drilled here in the sinks in the basin. Have you read about those? He says first there's a trickle and then nothing. 
this is something I never caught the first time, but now like rereading, I know exactly what they're talking about and I don't want to give it away, but it's definitely moved into the, because what happens here is it says, she goes, it's curious. You would suspect some living agency because the water's there and then dries up and never returns. Right. So the water is stopped somehow. She goes, someone plugs it up. That's my suspicion. And it's part of how Arrakis works, the whole environment itself. And how it's it's literally all going to involve around the spice and why things happen. Knowing that there's something behind this mystery is worse than just like knowing that there's a mystery. (laughs) That's like worse than that's worse than a spoiler to me. Like, no, you can't tell me that. Oh, by the way, look for this mystery. It's going to pop up. Happening, you know. Dang it! Like these these have been wrong, you know. Like they're not just talking to talk. Like this, like Frank Frank is like setting up um, what's to happen. Of course he is. Of course, Frank, and the, you genius. It's plans within plans within plans. Oh, Frank has plans within plans, man. This is not I okay. Mean, he did spend like six years researching before writing and like putting it all together. And I I can respect as an artist, I can respect that dedication yeah. to putting all the things in place. But of course, who do they suspect right away is the Harkonnens? Because who? Well, yeah, what is he going to do? Okay. Who's gonna- Where are we going to land with uh, Harkonnens versus Harkonnens? Uh, let's say Harkonnens. Uh, okay, that's fine. Like that. I, only because I just listened to a talk from Frank Herbert himself on he on the that. YouTube. It's Harkonnen, yeah. And it is Harkonnen. It is Harkonnen. It is. Frank said it. Um. So let's see, boom, 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 boom. The major source of water here is caught in wind traps and precipitators. And where does that come from? From the polar caps? Cold air takes up the moisture, Wellington. There are things here behind the Harkonnen Veil that bears close investigation. And not all of those things are directly involved with the spice. Boy, she's wrong on that one. Everything is involved with spice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But that is how they get most of their water is through wind traps. So like the dew in the morning would come and they'd, they get stuck up on the wind trap. Right. So it's this atmospheric, atmospheric moisture is where they get most of the water. Yeah. Um, Paul or no, Jessica says the way you say Harkonnen, she said, even my Duke's voice doesn't carry that weight of venom. When he uses that hated name, I didn't know you had personal reasons to hate them. Wilmington. Dude, she read them just like, just like that. Like he says one word and and she like picks up on it and so you can you can tell him how to backpedal. Like oh no, I've aroused her suspicions. Right, he's like oh no, oh oh she's on to me. So luckily he's been you know he was married to Bene Gesserit who was a better truth who had more truth sense than Jessica had. Right. So he knows what to do. Right, and he says like a really he he thinks a really interesting thought where he says there's only one solution to tell the truth as far as I can. So he's playing this game of like, if what I say is technically true, she will not, you know, freak out about anything and she won't notice that I'm being sneaky because she can tell when I'm, when I'm lying. So even seeing like all of the truths quote unquote that he tells moving forward in the conversation you can see like, all right, he said this, she, so that she would think he meant this, but he meant that, you know, like there's always yes. something behind every little thing that he's saying. And she even like 
because he's he brings up Juana again, and then she was like, "Oh, right, I forgot that the Harkonnens killed your wife." And then his wife was B'nai Jesuit. The signs are all over him. It's obvious the Harkonnens killed her. Another poor victim bound to the Atreides by a Sherem, sh- Kerem of hate. I oh my! And neither does Google. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if it's a word. I think just probably made it up. Just no, it's probably it's probably a real word. Probably. <laughs> now we'll just pretend it's made up and mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. And she eventually says, "Like Wellington, I'm sorry that we brought you into this dangerous place." And he's like, "No, I came willingly. Like again, like I'm going to be the traitor. I'm doing this willingly." Right. That's what I was saying. It's like I came willingly to murder you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! That's the part of the truth you left out. Right. But this whole planet's a Harkonnen trap. You must know that. It will take more than a trap to catch the Duke Leto, he said. And that, too, was true. Right. It'll take a stinking little puppet traitor skinny man. That's what it's going to take. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how this idea, they, they talk about uprooted plants. It's the, we've been uprooted. That's why we're uneasy. And how easy it is to kill the uprooted plant, especially when you put it down in hostile soil. And we're certainly in hostile soil. Oh, yeah, that's a question. He says, are we certain we're in, are we certain the soil's hostile? Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Is there like a, a flick, a flicker of hope in Yui that they'll get out of the whole ordeal okay, you know? Yeah, is he trying to set up that narrative again of hope? Right. Like, eh. And then she's quick to say, like, um, but there were water riots when it will learn how, how many people the Duke was adding to the pop- population, she said. They stopped only when the people learned we were installing new wind traps and condensers to take care of the load. Like, we're adding all these people. People freak out because there's scarcity of water. No, wait, wait, we're going to install more traps. You'll be fine. Oh, okay, cool. Yay. Well, maybe it's like <laughs> for the people that like, oh, these new uh, overlords that are coming in are actually, you know, looking out for us at least a little bit because they, they've installed these new, you know, that's like a gesture of goodwill on the Atreides like from the Atreides to the people. Yeah. And I think that's the point that um, he tries to, Yui tries to make right afterwards. It says that there's only so much water to support human life. The people know that if more come to drink, there's a limited amount of water, the price goes up and the very poor die. But the Duke has solved this. It doesn't follow any of the riots mean permanent hostility towards him. Um, it's like, no, I've solved this problem. There's no need to fight. And hopefully that can ease up tensions. But then Jessica's kind of sees through that because but there's guards, there's shields everywhere. Like, are we safe? Is this a place we can be? Like, the obvious looking around. Right. Are the people ah. outside? Because they're seeing all this. Right, if I come in with with an army... 
I'm sure the people are going to be like, oh, are you sure you're here peacefully? Like, yeah, came with tanks. Right. But even like, even, <laughs> yeah, but even for, for Jessica, she's like, okay, well, the people aren't mad at us, but we have like a shield and guards and all of this stuff. Are we sure that they're not trying to kill us? Because if not, why do we have all this? Right. We're making it seem like they're trying to kill us. Right. Are we creating a narrative where they will be the bad guy? No. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Jessica says, I smell death in this place. How it's set in advance agents here by the battalion. Like how it's been. Doofers put everything out there. And the very it's the last quote here in this paragraph, it says, where Thufer goes, death and deceit follow. Like, she's just putting the pieces together. Like, that's his job. His job is deception. It's espionage. It's um, suspecting people. And, of course, if it's all he's doing, of course, he's going to find it. Right. So, he goes, you malign him. Malign? I praise him. Death and deceit are our only hopes now. I just do not fool myself about Thufur's methods. Right. So, Yui, of course, goes, you should keep uh, busy. Give yourself no time. Like, dude, you just got here. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? <laughs> so then they get this intense conversation about, um, did, why doesn't Jessica just tell the Duke to marry her? Right. And she's very matter of fact about the whole thing. Um, and we talked about why in the last chapter. Like right. Because it's like, there's if there's a chance they go into more detail in the book obviously but if there's a chance that another house sees the possibility of like an alliance through marriage then we can like get more favors and do this and do that and like there's well yeah and then it's even and it says here, Leto is a cousin of royal blood. So he has royalty in his veins. So he could take the throne. Um, and then it goes back to, there's there's been this feud between the Atreides and the Harkonnen that goes back even Battle of Corin, which kind of set up the, the Battle of Corin sets up the, the second Imperium now that we're in. Okay. That set up the house Carino as the emperor. Okay. So it goes back to as long as the emperor has been emperor. Um, that, that feud started because an Atreides had a Harkonnen banished for cowardice. That's all it says. Yes. Is that a is that a secret? Do you know about that? Do I don't know about that one. No. I think I think it has something to do with a with a battle. Yeah, that they, they, they were supposed to move in at one point in time, but didn't. Gotcha. And then left people out to dry because you know that's what the Harkonnens do. They like to set up a plan and leave you to spring it for them. Oh, well, I mean, right before this, she says there will be, there will be blood blood shed soon. Right. The Harkonnens won't rest until they're dead or my duke is destroyed. So she senses that. There is imminent danger coming very, very soon. And so um, the old feud, Yui muttered, and for a moment he felt an acid touch of hate. The old 
feud had trapped him in the web, had killed his Juana, or worse, left her for the Harkonnen torturers until her husband did their bidding. Right. The old feud has kind of got him to where he is right now, which is not a good place to the point where soon little kids will be singing a song about how he's... <laughs> million deaths aren't enough for you, E. <laughs> Golly, man. Yeah. And he's going to change the course of everything. Right. Um, yeah, the old feud had trapped him and these people were part of that poisonous thing. The irony was that such deadliness could come flower here on Arrakis, the one source in the universe of Melange, the prolonger of life, the giver of health. It's it's almost as if Arrakis is the is this nexus yeah. in the universe, in the Imperium, where all of the wealth is created in the spice. And what the spice does is it makes you healthier, makes you stronger, gives you longer life, gives you it makes your intuition go off the charts. It does all of these things for you. And of course, this feud that has been raging, of course, will meet in the one spot in the universe that has the most value. Right. That's the only place it's found. Uh-huh. And, they, and as of now, they can't make any synthetics. So it's the only place you can get is mining it in Arrakis. And so now there it's like, she asks, what are you thinking? I'm thinking the spice brings 620,000 Solaris, the, deca the decagram on the open market right now, that wealth to buy many things. And I think he's trying to push this idea of what could you do with all that wealth? Could you leave? Right. Because right? that's the next idea he's going to push. Um, he glanced at her. Can you remember your first taste of the spice? tasted like cinnamon. So that's our only like descriptor of how, what the smell and taste is like, is like cinnamon. Right. But then they go into like Yui says, but never twice the same. And then he goes on about how it's like life and it's always, you know, presents a different face each time you take it. Um, and then he says that some hold this, some hold that the spice produces a learned flavor reaction. So the, the body learns when something is good for it to enjoy the taste of it. And so like the taste even of spice is different person to person because your body kind of creates what it's supposed to be. Whoa. Isn't that nuts? Did you catch that when you were Yeah. I have it highlighted here. I was like, that was the next spot I was going to hit. And no, yeah. It, that, it's just crazy how the spice itself is almost looking to prolong itself. Like how can it? How can it be a benefit and keep itself alive and in use? Like how can it find market value? To find like, it wants to be used. It, yes. So it creates that in the in the human brain or whatever brain um, that that need for it or that positive association. Like it makes you think it tastes good, and yeah, it makes you think you want it and you need it. And that's why your people are so addicted because once you get, you can get off, can you get off spice? You have to get like trained off and then I, but I think most of the time it just kills you. Right. That's what the, the Reverend mother said was like, have you seen the 
whatever she called it. And like, as people that are like exposed to spice enough to get like the blue eyes or whatever, and then coming off of it, it's either like you become a super person or you die. Most of the time people die. Most of the time people die. Right. Yeah. Spice wants to be used. Ooh. There's, yeah, there we go. Um, then she finally whispers the thought that she'd never want to be thinking. You know, I think it'd be wiser for us to go renegade, to, like, just leave the Imperium. And that's kind of what Piter said. Piter said, like, hey, they could go rogue, but we doubt it. Right. It's the only other option here. How do you even how do you even do that without chome? You know, like without transportation. Yeah, you'd have you'd have to bribe chome and the guild to take you outside, and then they just drop you off on a planet and never come back. Which I mean, it wouldn't be a bad life. I, I mean, you live out your days. There's no going back. I mean, put all that aside. Become a farmer. I mean, it could sound tranquil. Um, he saw that she hadn't been listening to him and focused on her words, wondering, yes, why doesn't she make him do this? She can make him do virtually anything. He spoke quickly because here was truth and a change in the subject, which is always good for him. He needs to get off this subject. Right. <laughs> um, would you think it bold of me if I asked a personal question? And she's like, no, go ahead. No problem. <laughs> Why haven't you? Yeah, you're my friend. That's you, like, would, you wouldn't betray me. Right. That's like a big thing because like, that's what he wants her to believe is like, oh, we're friends. We're buddies. We're buddies. We, keep, we can use first names together. Right. Yeah. Well, Wellington, Jessica. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Say whatever you want, bud. Why haven't you made the Duke marry you? Like, personal question, bro. Like, she whirled her head up, glaring. Made me marry him? <laughs> and then she goes into, like, there's a good political reason, right? The Duke remains unmarried. He could possibly move up, yada, yada, yada. Um, and he's, then he you know, murmurs back, there's something my wanna would have said, like, do the right thing what the people need of you, what your responsibilities are. Um, and this too was truth. He put a hand to his mouth, swallowing convulsively. He had never been closer to speaking out and confessing his secret role. He almost said it. Uh, probably the only moment where he almost says it too. Right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Jessica spoke, shattering the moment, which is great. He was like, thank God, say something. Um, and she goes in and say that the Duke is two different men. One of them she loves. He's charming, witty, um, considerate, tender, everything anybody and any woman would want. But the other is cold and calloused, demanding, selfish, harsh, cruel. And that one was shaped by her, his father. Right. Which is the one she hates. Yeah. There's the, there's the Duke. There's the, the ruler, the leader. And then there's the lover that like intimate connection that she has with him. And she kind of is like, I prefer to think of him as the lover because the other guy is not something I'm interested in very much. Right. She, yeah. She was looking for the lover. And I think this goes on to her other method where she goes, 
She sighed, motivating people, forcing them to your will gives you a cynical attitude towards humanity. It degrades everything it touches. If I made him do this, then it would not be his doing. And you can't love, you can't have love if you're forcing somebody to do something. Right. And I think that's what she wants more than anything else. Like if you met, he, again, they met and then had a child. Like instantaneously, there was love and connection. I think she's fighting for that. Um, no matter what. And then she kind of like, her brain wanders off into the, to who, back to who the Duke is. Presently, she took a deep breath and said, Lito's right, these rooms are nicer <laughs> than the outside of the house. Like, again, she's still remarking about architecture and, uh, we are living here. Yeah, this isn't too bad. Right. Let me get, let me get back to work here. Right. I got on. This is a nice conversation. Paul's cool. Wellington, you're all right. Let's move on. We've had some, we had some vulnerable moments. We got some things off our chest. Good, good, good talk, but <laughs> hey, I'm so glad you're here with me in this crappy situation. <laughs> She's like, oh. Ugh. Um. <laughs> he nodded, of course. Then he thought, you know, the last thought he has here. Um. If only there were some way not to do this thing I must do. Just it. don't do it. You know, whatever. But he, yeah, is he driven by madness? He like he wants to know is she alive? I don't know. I, I he's got a plan on top of it. I'm like, I want to think he's driven by love. You know, like because he's so in love with Juana, he's like. If there's even the slightest chance, I have to try to get her out of there no matter what. Because you can maybe I'm being naive when I'm when I'm thinking about this, but it's like you know, even in the way that he thinks about like, oh, if only I didn't love these people, if only I like I could hate them, this would be a lot easier to do. You know, he is kind of driven by that emotion and there is that kind of side to him. I don't like that I feel bad for Yui. Well, mm. a million deaths were not enough, man. Right. He obviously sucks, and like visually, he sucks. Like everything about him sucks. But he's he's so conflicted all the time, and he's like, "Oh, I wish I didn't have to do this, but I do." And like to quote to quote Stranger Things, "Only love makes you that crazy," you know? Yeah. That damn stupid. I mean, it's, he, I don't, I don't think you're wrong there at all. Like there's definitely, he's, he doesn't know if Juan is alive and he needs to check. Right. And I don't think, I think he thinks that the Duke's dead anyway. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the other thing that kind of gives him a reason to go through with all this craziness. Like even the, even the Reverend Mother was like nothing for the father. Right. He's going to die anyway. Like. I, I I love him. He's 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 great, but he's gonna die anyway. I might as well figure out if my wife is alive. Like there's something, and and we take a chance to kill the Baron himself. Right. So there's something, dare I say, noble about the the thought process that he has. Maybe not about what he's doing, but and I think Frank Herbert's trying to say something. How like history is written by the victor with right. these quotes, like. We only look, the quotes are from a certain perspective in history and we're, we're reading it now in, 
as it's happening. Right. And we're getting like the thoughts that Yui has as opposed to like the history book just says Yui is a treacherous, treacherous awful person. Yeah. And I, and I think there is that, that thing we need to balance in our brains when we're reading this of like, what is history? What is myth? What is, what is reality? Right. Um, it all depends on where you're coming from with it. I mean, it's, yeah, as Obi-Wan would say, you know, from a certain point of view, right. how you're looking at it. Um, anything you want to add to the end of this before we uh, close out this chapter? Um, you, you, you obviously feel for Yui a little bit. You're like, I do. And I don't want to, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You don't want to. That's what Frank wants me to feel right now. It's like, oh, poor Yui. Like he has to do this thing. No, he's a murderer. The quote, the children were. The children sing about it. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm conflicted with this whole thing because I still don't know what he's going to do. You know, and the children knew what he did when they were singing. I mean, he, yeah. the, the really crazy thing is, um, I, I we're probably going to talk about like the last paragraph here at the end of the chapter, yeah. but like, there's something about how Yui is playing the friend card this whole time. And he's like, well, if I can get you know, like friendship status, I can more easily fly under the radar with all the nastiness that I'm about to do. And it kind of works. Yeah. And, and, and tell the truth the whole time. Right. Because if you're lying, you'll get caught in a lie. Like she'll read your heartbeat somehow that you're lying and be able to, I call you out on it, but if you tell the truth the whole time, you have the chance of you being caught goes way down. Right. But Jessica also drops some, uh, drops some bombs at the very end. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know how to beautifully go into it, but she's like, um, as she's walking away to go, you know, look at things so she can assign quarters and do the job that she was tasked. Um, Jessica dropped her arms, crossed to the hall door and stood there a moment, hesitating, then let herself out. And then her, her thoughts are all the time we talked, he was hiding something, holding something back. She thought to save my feelings. No doubt. He's a good man. Yeah. Like it worked. He, he tricked her even though she caught him, she was reading him that whole time. You know, there was even that moment where he's like, Oh, the way you say Harkonnen, there's a lot of hatred in that buddy. I didn't know that something, you know, we, we only had that one glimpse of like what she was thinking while he was talking about things. But in this thought process, it's like obvious that she was very like B'nai Gesserit in that moment. She was very much paying attention to like his little cues and everything. And she still got fooled. She still says he's a good man. Again, she hesitated, almost turned back to comfort Yui and drag the hidden thing from him. So like she could have gone back and used her 
Bene Gesserit brain magic. Witch magic, yeah. Gotten gotten the, the truth out of him, which would have saved everyone a lot of heartbreak, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know what's about to happen. Um, we have Piter's playing, that's about it. Right. But she she goes on to think or whatever, but that would only shame him, frighten him to learn he's so easily read. Like, I should I should place more trust in my friends. Burr. You shouldn't. Like, that's a bad move that you just made. Like, you almost need to follow through for on this one and, like, suspect everybody. Like, don't give anybody any leg room, any clearance. Right. But it, if, if she had, the, the, the whole thing would have been avoided. But, you know, that wouldn't make for a very good story. You know? <laughs> You know, like the book, book ends in chapter 15, like, they all, they, yeah, they all come and then they fight him off and it's over. Right. No, we just get this glimpse of hope, but they, she almost went there. This close. She knew something was happening. I, I, I can't imagine how she's going to feel when whatever happens, happens. She's like, oh, dude, that's what he was doing. And then, you know, you know, gets stabbed or sandworm to death or whatever is going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be pretty for you, I'll put it that way. But he had it coming. A million deaths were not enough. Yeah. From the childhood history of the Muad'Dib. Right. Man, and the Muad'Dib's going to change everything. Whole world's going to turn upside down. Well, I just want to thank everybody for listening and watching along. We're on Twitter at Reading Dune. If you have any emails, questions, things you want to ask us, hit us up there. Also, you can email us at readingdune at gmail.com. YouTube, Reading Dune, the Dune of Readings. That's what we're doing. My name's Caleb. Oh, my name's Evan. Hi. (laughs) And uh, we read some Dune tonight. Yeah, we did. All right, boss. I'll uh, see you in the next chapter. See you then. Stay Stay spicy. (laughs) Woo! Are you dancing there? The music at the end. Yeah, I know. Okay.